Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, Jake. Yes, sir. Did you know it is our anniversary month? How long have we been married? (laughs) No, the show. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I did know The that, show's actually. anniversary. We are turning six years old, and to celebrate that- We're going to first grade. We're <laughs> close. We're giving a discount on our Patreon. If you join the year-long subscription to the Patreon, you can get 15% off during the month of May. You can find out everything about our Patreon at patreon.com slash thecritshow, but all tiers for the month of May are 15% off when you sign up for the annual membership. Is that as exciting as first grade? You know, now that I'm kind of remembering back to first grade, that's far better than first grade. The Crit Show contains elements of horror, fantasy violence, and adult language. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. intros have been like dream centric lately but i don't care i'm launching into this oh so i dream pretty cinematically it's very rarely like a snippet i dream in like full movies with a plot you know beginning middle and end the whole thing resolution it's great but i had what i think is the most fun action dream i've ever had and i'm just going to tell you well i'm going to tell you the the intro to it because that was what stood out but uh, me essentially being an eight-year-old at heart, and um, Jake's apparent goodwill hunting level of math skills uh, saved the world. <laughs> this is news Love to it. Jake. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it is how it is. How, so, do, you, how do you like them apples? <laughs> Pretty good. That's from the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the dream essentially opened with us kind of knowing what was going on. A bunch of us were packed into my apartment. I don't know why in an apocalypse scenario we decided my apartment was the place to go but there were uh, all five of us and about five or six other people just jammed in sitting on the couch watching the news as like the apocalypse broke out over the world and it took the form of these giant like like 10 foot tall battle toad-esque creatures spilling up out of the center of the earth and just destroying humanity, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, naturally. And yeah. they, they're just big ripped things, and they're wearing these like silver, like wrestling leotards, right? Uh huh. And they were wielding these giant weapons made out of like crystals and stuff. These silver leotards that they were wearing were like shield generators just immediately around their body. Mm. And so if anything was moving, it's kind of like Dune. If anything's moving too fast, it won't pierce the shield. So guns and stuff are just absolutely useless. The only chance anybody had was to get in close. And you get in close, they're they're so big and ferocious and fast that they just rip people apart. So like 
people were trying things around the world to like slow down munitions and like lob grenades in and things and, you know, working to a little bit of success, but just almost not at all because they're just, they're just everywhere. There are millions of them. It was a bad situation. So people are getting mowed down, but apparently the, the news was still running. So, <laughs> so we're watching the news and shout out to my buddy, uh, Chris Hansen, who made it onto the news because we were watching a news report where they're interviewing him. And, um, one of the things we had discovered is that like super like non-organic stuff, like, like plastics and rubber and stuff like that, like melts through these frog people, like, like, you know, hot knife through butter situation and like poisons them and stuff. Um, so that was another thing. Like if you can get close enough with like plastic, that might help. But you know, even then we just can't get close enough. So we cut to this interview where we're watching just raptly that, Chris, he, he has uh, uh, this house out in the country in this situation, and these frog people were like breaking into the house, and he grabbed a bunch of his Frisbee golf discs, and he started hucking those at him, and he discovered that that was slow enough that it would, it would go through the shield. Like, it has to be bullet speed before it gets, you know, ricocheted off of the shield. So he was hucking his Frisbee golf discs at him and taking them out. And like the rest of them that were invading the house were like, never mind, we're just going to move on. And so the, <laughs> the news was like interviewing him about that. He's like, yeah, if you got something like that, like that, that's slow enough. And like, while this is going on, Jake is like, get me paper and a pencil right now. And we're oh like, God, what? Yes. He's like, just, just do it. And so flash to this montage of Jake, like scribbling out all of these math problems and all these, you know, things and like dotted lines. And like, he's having us line up and like, you know, he's, he's measuring, you know, distances and speeds and all of this stuff. And we're like, what is going on? He's like, hold on. I, I've almost got it. <laughs> and then finally he stands up and it's that dream logic where I couldn't see like really what the numbers were, but it was obvious what he was pointing at that he had two numbers written down. And so he pointed at the higher number and he said, this is the speed that will not penetrate their shields. And we're like, okay. And he, he points to the slightly, slightly lower number. And he says, Tass, you've been planning for this apocalypse your whole life and you didn't even know it because this slightly lower number will penetrate their shields. And that's the speed of a Nerf gun. I knew it. Oh I my knew God. it. I fucking knew it. I, oh man, I was, I was waiting until this story was over to be like, if this, if this doesn't mean you get to use Nerf guns to kill these things, as soon as you said plastic dissolves them, I was like, oh man, this better be Nerf guns. I knew it. And I mean, it was a, like, we all just turned to look at my closet and Jesse walks over and opens it and just my Nerf guns come just tumbling out because I have a ton and like a whole tote just full of Nerf bullets and everything. And we just start loading up and the rest of this dream is us going out and hunting these things down <laughs> and none of them could get close enough because, you know, we're, we're, we're using, you know, Nerf or nothing. Um, there is even a harrowing moment where, where Kim was like, telling us to like run 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 i've got it and we're like no you're gonna get swarmed and she did like she had one of those big like mini gun things like you know belt fed just mowing <laughs> into these things and they're dog piling her and we're like no but then eventually they're just they're sort of dead and we make our way back and we pull all the all the bodies of the frog things off to try to find her body underneath but she's missing Oh, no. oh. Like, oh, what happened to me? Like, what happened? And eventually she she came back. She like busted out of a, an alley in the middle of another fight and saved somebody. And like they're just everybody had these really kick ass moments <laughs> through this dream. And like the last moment, it wasn't like a, a fully realized story because the last moment was uh, uh, more like a, a Lord of the Rings, you know, on the hill facing the enemy thing where mm. we had like raided 
all of the toy stores and warehouses and things all over the country and just handed them out. And this just militia of thousands just marched down this hill towards the uh, fleeing frogmen as they tried to get back into their caves and go underground. It was so fucking rad. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch this movie. Yeah. You see, this is my pitch. I wanna, I've been waiting to tweet out to Nerf about my movie idea until I could talk to you guys about this on mic. So now you can bet that I'm going to get a hold of him and be like, you guys ever thought about a movie? Here's a script. Yeah. yeah. It's already done. This, I've done all the work. This sounds like an Adam Sandler vehicle to me. Yeah. Like straight up. <laughs> Absolutely. Like a modern day Adam Sandler vehicle for sure. Uh, I was going to ask about if it was Nerf guns or not, but I thought maybe I was projecting based on you shooting us with Nerf guns yesterday. Oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we had to stop by their place, and he had like messaged like Jesse had been like he like Tass is probably asleep. He's had like a kidney stone. He's dealing with a lot of pain, and you know he did message us at some point. And was like, yeah, I'll be asleep on the couch, but like you guys have a key, so just let yourselves in. And like I get up to the door, Malcolm starts barking, and like we're like, shh, Malcolm, be quiet. Like we don't want to wake him up. He's in pain. And I close the door and I look to my right, and he's standing on the other side of the room with a fucking Nerf gun <laughs> pointed right at me, and I was just like. No, <laughs> shot me with it. We felt so bad because Malcolm just starts barking, and we're like, "Oh man, they're they're like doing us a favor because we bought groceries that we didn't think about the fact that we were half oh. an hour away from home, and we had frozen ice cream and chicken breasts, and we're like, can we throw some things in your freezer <laughs> while we're down here?'" <laughs> and so we're like, "Oh, they're doing us a favor, and oh, Malcolm's gonna bark, and he's gonna wake him up, and he's probably hasn't gotten all this sleep." And we were feeling so bad, and I like rushed in to grab Malcolm. I was like, shh, shh, "It's okay, baby." And then he's just like, "Surprise, motherfucker!" Hit us with the bullets. I also want to thank you for that because you gave me a reason to just get up and clean myself up and and try to live in the mm. world. So yeah, I appreciate it. Gather up anyone who is willing to help. Uh, about a half a dozen of them. Start following you up the hill. All right, uh, I'm going to dig in my bag. Thank you, Tass. And I'm going to pull out uh, one of the pineapple grenades that we took that he left us and throw it right to the rune. You watch the roof of this cavern crack and the rune cracks as well. The red glow dies down. And even from this deep, the sound that was just in the background constantly, that roaring of wind and movement of the vortex of the water suddenly lessens and lessens. It's quieter and quieter, and it's gone. I think, Jake, you know, there's all these crates laid out at the back that Jeffrey and Edwin have helped you set up for this maneuver. But one of the crates, you're just moving too quick. You only have these few moments because you're there, and one of them you start to tilt, and you lose about half of those pineapple cannonballs. There are these stories of beasts like this mangy wolf that attacked and destroyed most of a town, but warriors came in to fight it off and injured it. And the first thing that it did when it was severely injured was to veer off from the threat and start eating. Megan, the tales that have come to you from your lorekeeper move seem to indicate that these horrific beasts, these things that have been plaguing this world, when they're injured, they tend to break off from the fight and find easier pickings to consume to heal themselves. Oh no, oh no, 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 no. What? Uh, it's going to leave the fight and it's going to eat something. Uh, there's no buddy protecting the people on shore here. We got to get them somewhere. Where can we go? Uh, I don't know. Maybe just more inland. I don't know if this thing can like get far out of the water, but 
oh, 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 there's a cave under that bunker back there. Uh, there's like a lake. I don't know if there's any way to like get out of it, but it's underground. So maybe it leads out to the ocean. The older woman, the, the seaborn, nods vigorously. Yes, those caves, we were not allowed to go down there because there, there are tunnels that lead out all directions into the ocean. Okay, well, that's a start. Yeah, so if we can get everyone down there, maybe we can just funnel them out to the opposite side of where Garoga is. It has no one to eat. Or like swim to another island? Yeah, how far is it to the next island? Oh, the tunnels on at least one side, they may come out a third of the way there. Uh, I mean, I assume you all are fast swimmers, right? Oh, yes. Maybe it wouldn't notice. If we all even just go down into it, uh, he may not see us, right? Or if he tries, he'd have to break through. Yeah, at least getting people off the surface would be a good start. Many of them just start running. Uh, Some of them are like running back down to the beach to start gathering people. Um, But most of them now without guards blocking their way are just cramming their way into the barracks and down those stairs. Uh, If it looks like the Seaborn are doing a good job of wrangling themselves into the cave, then I guess I'll just head towards the cave. Okay. Back on the ship, you can see that Garoga is falling behind just a little bit. Like he's slowing his pace as you all have come around the curve here past the sandbar and are getting closer to the island where you know Kim and Megan are located. And it seems like he's starting to, yeah, just kind of veer off a little further out towards the island instead of following you. I'm going to shoot him again. All right. Roll get into a scrap. 11. Damn. How, how am I getting this low with three dice? Oh, <laughs> Still. yeah. That's wild. I mean, mathematically, I know how because I'm looking at it. But statistically. Uh, do you want to take the ante or avoid harm? And again, I'll let you choose whether that's the ship or you that would take it if you take the harm. Avoid harm. All right. All three cannons connect this time with his armored neck as he's like higher up out of the water, like moving away. But that was that spot where you had flayed kind of his cheek and his neck with the tendrils on the back. Um, and he shrieks again and picks up his pace towards the island. Can I see what it looks like Garoga is pushing toward more specifically than just the island? Oh, you guys are still pretty far out. Like, you can tell he's moving that direction. I think a size up might help you out here. Okay. Six. I will help out. Okay. By giving him finger binoculars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> binoculars for those of you who... Oh, yeah. Um, just, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Pass over the, the spyglass. Okay, absolutely. Uh, that'll bump you to a seven, which gives you a hold one or possibly an extra. I, I guess in terms of trying to determine like where his focus is, where's the true danger lurking? Absolutely. So as you're looking out towards the island, back to him, back to the island, you can see a lot of movement. Um, There are many, many seaborn spilling out of their little housing, their little uh, huts and such that are set up near the beach. Um, Many of them are like spilling out seemingly in a panic. And there are hundreds, at least hundreds of people. A lot of them are moving upward towards the center, towards a low stone building, but many are just gathering on the beach, listening as some people are, like, looks like they're yelling instructions. Garoga seems to be veering towards the largest 
collection of people on the beach that are staying stationary. I will stick my nose somewhere I shouldn't to take the additional hold uh, to ask how can I safely delay Garoga? Safely. He's on to you a little bit now. Like, he knows what's hurting him, right? Like, he, he literally rolled over a bunch of those barbed tentacles that ripped his scales apart. If you were able to jam several of those into a cannon and fire it out ahead of him so that it was between him and the island, that might give him some pause. Okay, I will give that a shot. End of the crit show. (laughs) Uh, Let's call this a dirty trick because, you know, it, it is trying to slow him as opposed to just taking a shot at him to harm him, right? Yes. Yeah, and you get your plus one from size up? Eight. Uh, so I think to do this, uh, a couple of things happen here. We're going we're gonna to keep this nice and symmetrical. So as far as you having stuck your nose where you shouldn't, and then having this idea, you, get, you just get a little, little too excited about this, and you rush over and you're ready to start cramming some tentacles down into one of the cannons, but you accidentally hit something you shouldn't, and the cannon rolls over and falls into the water. It You like cut the wrong rope as you're all turning, and off it goes. So you run over to the other cannon to... <laughs> and the same thing. Start. Uh, almost. I think you get it in successfully, and you're able to take the shot, but now the cannon on that side just got gummed up with too much tentacle, and like the Ooh. barrel sort of explodes. So you get enough out in front of Garoga, but now you're only down to two cannons on each side, four cannons total. No, not the Beth Southwestern. I'm just like rubbing the back of my neck like, oh man. Hey, what are you doing to our cannons? Oh geez, yeah, I really messed that one up. And then look up and realize I'm making eye contact with Garoga now. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah, on the island, you're all seeing Garoga rush up, but then very quickly like halt in the water, like springing up taller out of the water and looking around in front of him as if looking for some sort of danger. So he has stopped in his tracks as the Seaborn are trying their best in in a little bit of a panic to filter through this like two-person door and down these stairs. Are you all staying like up at the at the top with them? Are you helping usher them down? Are you going down into the caverns to organize there? Something else entirely. Uh, I think I'd be at the doorway trying to help usher people in. I'm going to get on top of the building, on top of the barracks where the monsters were keeping a lookout before. Yeah, no problem. You get up there and can see more clearly that um, three of the sides are lined with cannons. Um, the you know, what would be considered the sort of the backside, the one that was closest to the swirling winds, uh, clearly didn't need cannons because the wind was cutting that close to the island. So Garoga could never have gotten to that side. Uh, but the other three have three cannons on each side uh, facing in all directions there. Can I tell why Garoga has stopped in the water? Like I knew that it needs to eat. So it was heading this way. Can I Can I see what may have tripped it up? Uh, I mean, yeah, from this high, I think you can see that there is some debris floating in the water in front of him. Um, I mean, you've worked with them. You could probably make out that they are some of those uh, barbed tentacles floating in the water. Uh, okay, then I want to use my pinch of salt and other superstitions book. All right. What are we using here? 
well, I'm thinking about the fact that I know it needs to like hurry up and get a snack to refuel, right? Yes. So I know the path that it was on. Can I use my book to make it so that in all of the kind of commotion out in the ocean? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't mean to do that. That just worked out really well. <laughs> um I want it to be that there's a kelp forest there that kind of got tangled up and as it's maneuvering and getting hit with these barbed tentacles, it gets kind of wrapped up and caught in the seaweed and the kelp there. Oh, intriguing. All right, let's unleash a mysterious power. Nine. All right, so you're gonna take a personal cost and it'll surge out of control. I think I think the personal cost is essentially your time and focus. Uh, I think this is, I don't want to call it a trouble because it's something that you could literally drop anytime you want, but it it's just a matter of you have to like channel this magic. You have to channel this book to keep this kelp and the tentacle and everything like wrapping up around him. And so as long as you keep eyes on him and, and keep that energy flowing, it'll keep happening. But the second you are jarred away from that or drop it purposefully, then the effect fails. Is that acceptable? Yeah, so like I have to hold concentration on this? Yes. Okay. The way it will surge out of control, I think for a second, while he's still in deeper water, he panics and he starts moving forward anyway. He actually gets closer to the island, but since he's a little closer to the shallows, that's where that all gets thicker and is able to lock him down more easily. He gets more caught up in it because of that. But he just is very much in the range of being able to lash out and uh, possibly hurt or eat someone if someone doesn't get the people off of the beach fast. The Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey today. Kim, you have to get everyone off the beach. I'm holding it in place for them to get with the cannons, but if he eats anyone, he's going to start healing. Roger. Uh, Yeah, I'll abandon the door and start running for the beach. All right, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm freaking yelling at people to get the hell off the beach. Okay, Um. yeah, like they are largely speaking, just locked in terror, like staring up at this happening. Uh, so as you run down screaming, trying to get their attention, I think just roll straight polish here. Sure. Boxcars. You snap them out of it as you are running down, getting between Garoga and them and trying to usher them. Um, a few that seem more like the leader types uh, of the little community uh, start helping you and, and snapping people out of it, getting them moving up the beach. And as you make tracks up towards the barracks, you see Garoga getting closer and closer, and there's a point where he just stops. He's just stagnated as all of this kelp and just goo from the ocean seems to be lashing up and grabbing onto him. 
This is also the first time that you've seen him this far out of the water. You've seen his long, sinewy neck and his spindly, spiked, fin-like arms. But now that he's up further, like onto a measure of the beach, you can see that his entire bottom half is made up of kraken-like tentacles with equally barbed, horrific suckers that are whipping around, slamming into the beach where the people had just been moments before. <laughs> yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Does it look like all of the seaborn are making their way into the barracks now? It's Absolutely. okay? Yep. Okay, good. Then I'm going to climb on up to the top of the barracks to join Megan. Okay. On the ship, you all watch this happen as he like stops up for a moment and then the sea seems to be attacking Garoga and pinning him to the beach. He's making a beeline for all those seaborn. I think he's bored of us. I think he's trying to take them out. We got to hold him up. Actually, it looks like the ocean's holding him up. Um, I want to twist fate. Okay. Ten. With Still with three dice. Damn. All right. Well, what are you doing here? I want to notice something previously overlooked. And how is it helpful? Um, It is a coral reef in the area of where Garoga is. And I want to start shooting the cannons into that to make more just things for Garoga to cut themselves on and not want to move forward. Like more of just... The, the awful churn that they are in, making it worse. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think this is one where you need to roll for the effect. If you put that into the world that that is there with this move, then as he is flailing and getting pulled down by all of this vegetation, you're seeing blood start to float around him in the water and there on the edge of the beach. Jake, what are you doing? I too would like to twist fate. All right, roll it. Oh, that's a four. Oh. Unsalvageable. So, as you were making your way a little closer, you know, Garoga's still mostly in the water. He's partially on the beach. He's a big he's a big boy. And you see all of these tentacles, his his sort of bottom half flailing in the water, churning it up. So these small rolling waves keep hitting the ship, and you're knocked back a little further, and back a little further, and back a little further. And at the crest of one of the little waves, there's an explosion. And the ship turns about, spinning, the crew flying, hitting the deck, one or two of them going off the edge. And Jake, I think you can see peripherally that these waves had knocked you back into one of the explosive pineapple cannonballs that had fallen out of the ship. That's unfortunate, because that's exactly what I was hoping to twist fate to do to him. (laughs) And the ship takes one wreck. (laughs) And you can hear that there's some serious damage by now. Like, you're you're hearing some water below decks. Uh, I want to run below deck then and try to assess the damage and see if I can start mitigating it. Absolutely. Like, it, you're not in imminent danger of, you know, being sunk in the next couple minutes or anything, but, um, yeah, if you don't put some work in, you you don't have super long. On top of the barracks, you're starting to see blood in the water below Garoga, and he is writhing and trying to rip out of his constraints. It, it looks like he's doing some work. He's like slowly getting a little closer, like a little more fully on the island, but it's very slow. And he seems to be doing himself a lot of damage in the process. Uh, you said that there were cannons on the top of this barracks, right? There certainly are. I'd love to fire a cannon at Garoga. Get into a scrap. And I'm just continuing to hold him in place. Outstanding. <laughs> you keep reading, baby. You're doing such a good job. Nine. Can I justify a help out having been 
manning these cannons, like seeing the trajectory of our cannonballs helps her aim. <laughs> you know how like in Sea of Thieves, like if you fire a shot and it's too low, the person who fires next knows <laughs> to go a little higher. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I was about to be like that. No, dude, come on. But I've we've done yeah, it. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Landara and I just waving at each other from across an ocean. Cannon twins. <laughs> yeah, if you want to spend the bond. All right. I do. <laughs> Both it. doing the crab dab. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, Kim, that raises you to a 10. Do you want to take the ante or avoid harm? I think I have to avoid harm. Probably for the best, as you're seeing him start to panic. You take this shot and hit one of his weak spots where he'd been scraped up by the tentacles, and he shrieks. One of his long, spindly claws reaches like down into the ocean, and you watch him pull up this massive handful of gravel and coral and whip it towards the barracks. It lands around you all both, um, missing luckily, but those are big enough chunks that you realize how painful, how much damage that could have done had it hit. And Megan, focusing on this magic, you're starting to feel him now shift the other way. There's this sudden shift of him trying to move back out into the ocean instead of moving towards the island. Um, so he's still struggling against his bonds here, and he's doing a pretty good job now that he's reversed his motion to get away from where it's the thickest. Um, but yeah, it seems like he's trying to run. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh does it look like he's trying to escape or does he look like he's trying to give up on the beach since there's nobody there and go for a snack to the ship? Ooh, I'll bet a size up could help you with that. Okay. Nine. Can I help her out? How? Because I'm just I'm just doing such a good job firing shots at Garoga that Megan can just like read in peace and just like she's <laughs> she feels she feels so safe. I don't have assessing to worry the about situation. getting hit by giant pieces of coral because he's exactly. too busy. Exactly. <laughs> I'm doing such a good job protecting Megan. Yeah, I, if you want to spend the bond, that's good enough for me. Yeah, I'll do it. All right, that bumps you to a 10. He's like, yeah, I don't need to hear all your dumb shit if you want to spend the bond. <laughs> what strange secrets lie just beneath the surface? I think you're seeing a measure of panic for the first time. Like this thing is showing more intelligence than you might expect from what just looks like a large beast. And he, yeah, he, he is very nearly in panic mode, taking all of this damage in such a short amount of time. So for a being that is solely here to cause fear, it doesn't seem so much like the damage is what's making him panic. It's like that he's afraid. He has like realized that he's afraid. And so he's trying to get away from a situation that he can't get out of. Uh, what here is useful to me or my crew? I think it feeds off of the first answer of like, what could he possibly be so afraid of? Because while you're all doing a lot of damage to him, it occurs to you that it would take way more than what you're doing to kill it. So if you want to do that, you're going to have to reassess. You have him caught up. You'll have to like figure out a few things now that you have him in sight, but there could be a way to kill him. But he is trying to get out. He's trying to leave entirely 
because he wants to avoid the situation. He wants to avoid you all discovering what could actually take him out for good. Okay, so I don't think he's going to attack the ship. Correct, yeah. Okay, then yeah, I, I drop concentration. I'll let him go. Absolutely. Then as you drop your focus, the kelp falls away and he just crashes backwards, having been held back by it. And now that's gone. So he just flails in a panic into the water. Out on the ship, you're all buffeted again by the waves of this massive creature hitting the ocean. And the water churns for a few moments. Blood bubbles up to the top, but then nothing. I think all of you from your vantage can see already far out in the ocean the dark shape of him speeding away as fast as he can. Yeah, I'll get down and go to the door, the entrance to the cave, and yell for everyone that it's okay to come back up. All right, yeah, they start making their way back up. Yeah, I will yell down to Jake that Garoga seems to be fleeing. All right, let's pull up to the shore where everybody was before fleeing. All right, so you... Get over to the island. There's not exactly a dock over here, so you'll have to either uh, swim it if you're making it to the island or, or use a, a lifeboat or something. Um, but there are like smaller docks that it looks like they probably use some sort of dinghy to get troops back and forth between the three smaller islands and the larger one at the center. And you're all together. The crew of the ship is doing their best to patch up any of the leaks below deck. Um, Edwin yells over the rail. We've got about an hour on this, tops. Are you guys okay? What happened out there? We took some nasty licks. That is a clever one. Unavoidable, really. Despite our best efforts. Couldn't have mitigated the damage. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I could do. Didn't this ship used to have six cannons? He ate two of them. Oh, no. <laughs> Scooped them right, gobbled them right up. I think Landara's like, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Landara, like, beseeching, just, please don't rat me out. I just imagine Jake, like, little monkey Jake, just, like, hands out, pleading his case, and Landara standing directly behind him, just shaking her head, like, absolutely not. Jake's like, I'd like to spend a bond to make Landara go along with this story. <laughs> Isn't that right, Landara? Just seeing Landara like shaking and sweating. Just blood coming out of the nose. <laughs> we just made a whole lot of noise. Should we like go straight to the center island? Probably. And also I killed a whole bunch of Kradoom's monsters, which going off of the hive mind theory, uh, he definitely knows that something's up. What do we do about the people on the other islands? I assume they're being guarded too. Well, if we take out the Viking, does that mean all of his demon beast things disappear too? I don't know. If the exorcist has taught me anything, no. They just get wild and don't have a like someone controlling them anymore. Well, maybe they won't be as strong. They're not like connected at that point anymore, right? I guess I don't know how any of this works. Yeah, but... stop. You have to stop asking me, right? I'm just <laughs> guessing at all of this. I'm not asking you specifically, Landara. I'm just making eye contact with Rev. So it's... <laughs> oh, I see. So this is just like a, a right to the room. Okay. Do we want to send all of the allies we've got here to the smaller islands? That's not a bad idea. I mean, Kradoom's monsters are real nasty, but they go down pretty easily if you can separate them, like only deal with one at a time. Yeah, and I mean... For all we know, once we engage Kurdum in a fight, he'll call them all to back him up. So having someone else to handle them is not a bad idea. Smart. That's really smart. Can we go through the ship? Um, obviously, our crew is going to like try to repair our ship. Can we go through the ship and 
arm the Seaborn? Like the ones that we just saved? Yeah, I mean, uh, all of the sailors would have at least, you know, a, a sword and a flintlock. So, I mean, you'd probably have 10 or 20 weapons to hand out. And then, of course, Dorva and his guard, they have their weapons. Uh, and you know that the ship with your shoreman friends are, is just just filled, just filled with weapons. We could put Dorva and his squad on this boat. I mean, if it's going to go down within the hour, that's long enough to get him to a different island and then send Atina and the other ship to the other island. Just split those two off. Get us to the middle first. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. All right. So I think uh, each ship gets about 10 extra seaborne people ready to help as well. So Atina accepts them onto his ship and makes his way towards one of the islands and uh, Dorva and his crew accept the the other helpers ready to head that way. So are you guys being like dropped off at the center and then one of them veers off? Is that how we said that's going to work? I think so. All right. So you start heading that way. The central island is, of course, by far the biggest. It mostly looks like a, a mountain top is just jutting out of the water. It's kind of beautiful. There is a little bit of what you could consider beachfront, but a lot of it just has docks like lining the entire outer edge of this mountain top. The castle makes up kind of the the top half of this mountain. It is literally carved out of the living rock of this mountainous island. Um, there are many towers that also have been carved out with thin walkways leading out over massive drops, uh, these beautiful arched bridges that lead to the towers. Um, But there is one, what you would call the kind of the biggest, most prominent tower that is connected to the main island by a bridge, and the castle at the top seems more like a living space. And all along the bottom, at the water's edge, these built docks have crisscrossing paths and spirals uh, that lead up towards the castle proper. There is kind of a clear side that you would assume, like that's the front, like that is the easiest path to the castle, like the, the most prominent built roads that lead up. But all of it, every bit of it, is just covered in what seem like caves that have been carved out to be homes, businesses. It is a city in a mountain. Is there... Any path from the water to the castle that looks like it'd be it'd be the stealthiest approach. Uh, sure, give me a size up. Is there a service entrance? <laughs> yeah. Uh, borrowing Edwin's spyglass, that is a seven. Quote unquote, Edwin's spyglass. <laughs> <laughs> Never getting this back. Quote unquote, <laughs> borrowing. <laughs> <laughs> we stole it 20 episodes ago. <laughs> All right, you get one. How can I safely carve us a path to the castle? So as you're taking in this mountain city jutting up out of the water, it occurs to you that it is very quiet. Like the way the other islands have Seaborn all out and about, this one does not. It is seemingly on high alert. You're seeing lots of giant doors that are are locked up tight, faces in the windows um, that could be archers. You're, you're seeing a lot of defense here. Obviously, you guys made noise there on to you. So it occurs to you that probably your best bet is to try some sort of maneuver with the crew of your ship to get close to the island and come up with some sort of distraction for them to draw attention, you all to get into the water on the far side of the ship out of view and get up close 
individually. Like if you dock anywhere, slow down and make it obvious that you're getting off the ship, they're going to know where you are no matter where you come up on the island. But there are a few spots where if you can just get onto the island, making your way up, you'll be innocuous because they won't have seen you get out there and make your way up those spirals and those crisscrosses in the first place. I think our best bet here is going to be a drive-by. Like, they might see us approach, but if they don't see us get off the boat, I think there's a lot of ways we can get up there without them paying us any mind. So we need something on the ship or along the course to draw attention and kind of keep it so that we can, like, slip off the side into the water, get to the island, and then approach unseen. Okay, what are we thinking? We could use some of the explosives we have left. We could beep beep our other ship. That'd be one hell of a distraction. Oh, I don't want to put that in any sort of danger unless we have to. That is our ride home. And if it gets hurt, we've got to spend even more time here. That's true. I mean, could we not just have us get into the water like now and I can help you all swim slash pull you to shore and then just have the rest of the crew like sail off and start firing off the cannons we have left? Yeah, I mean, even if we just jump off the opposite side when they're firing cannons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as long as they start getting attention and then keep it while we distance ourselves from the boat, I don't think it matters exactly when we get off. What do we need to bring? God, what's left to bring? Got a couple of the pineapple grenades left, I think. I've got a couple in my bag. Not a lot, though. End of list. Dorva nods then. Yes, all right, we will make as much of a ruckus as we can. And he looks back to the island and he points towards that largest, the the thickest of the towers that's jutting out from the side of the mountain. That is the court. That is where he will likely be keeping the queen and her advisors. Once you get inside, it is quite a maze of a city, but everything is marked by colored markers. If you follow the symbol of a golden shell, that will always lead you towards the court. Many other colors mean many other things. If you need any specifics, let me know, but we have little time. I don't suppose the queen or any members of her court are, like, great ass-kickers, are they? The court? No. The queen, yes. Any of her personal guard, the strongest, are certainly in the dungeons. Okay, what about the dungeons? What colors do we follow for that? Purple. Uh, what about an armory? Oh, that would be at the barracks. Uh, it is actually a smaller building on the outer edge by one of the docks. Uh, I can show you it as we pass, and he actually kind of points out, and you can see it's kind of on the far side from where you are now, but there's a yeah, a long, low building. Uh, there would be many weapons there, uh, not much more than what you have, but certainly more if you need them. What do we think? Do we stop at the dungeons and liberate ourselves some more fighters? We could use them since we sent off all of ours to the other islands. All right, yeah, let's try and cut a path that leads us past the armory, see what that looks like, to the dungeons. Okay. All right, so as you make your plans and prepare for this maneuver, looking up, there is a section just below the castle where you see a line of these horrific creatures lining up their weaponry. Suddenly you hear about a dozen cannon shots. You watch the cannonballs soar towards the ship. (laughs) 
The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hello, hello, I'm Malik. I'm Jamie. And this is World Gone Wrong, where we discuss the unprecedented times we're living through. Can your manager still schedule you for night shifts after that werewolf bit you? My ex-boyfriend was replaced by an alien body snatcher, but I think I like him better now. Who is this dude showing up in everyone's old pictures? My friend says the sewer alligators are reading maps now. When did the kudzu start making that humming sound? We are just your normal millennial roommates processing our feelings about a chaotic world in front of some microphones. World Gone Wrong, a new fiction podcast from Audacious Machine Creative, creators of Unwell, a Midwestern Gothic mystery. Learn more at audaciousmachinecreative.com. Find World Gone Wrong in all the regular places you find podcasts. I love you so much. (laughs) I mean, you could like up the energy a little bit. You could up the energy. I actually don't take notes. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You sounded great. So did you. (laughs)